A reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of the God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom. But we proclaim Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. And God's weakness is stronger than human strength. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm going to use an illustration right now that's going to get me canceled. That sounds exciting, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, it's not really a good thing to talk about being manly these days because a lot of people who thought they were being manly but were really being toxic messed up being manly for the rest of us good guys. Right, guys? Yeah. They messed it up for us. But back in the day, the manliest store that ever existed was Western Auto. Y'all remember that place? Anybody remember Western Auto? Out on Cherry Road. You could go on Western Auto, buy a new washing machine, get a set of tires, get your oil changed, get your kid a new 22 lever, lever action rifle, and a bicycle. And on the way out, get gum out of the gum machine by the door. All in two hours or less. People today think Bass Pro Shops or something like that is the manliest store that's ever existed. They're wrong. That's the wrong answer. It was Western Auto. But now what we've learned about humanity is that a lot of people were forcing other people from other sexes and other gender identities or whatever the right thing is to say right now, to believe that they couldn't buy appliances, that they couldn't get their car fixed, that they couldn't hunt and fish, and that they couldn't um, ride a bicycle, right? Do you see the error in that? There's deep error in that. And what we know now is that sorting things out in that way where you made a store for just the man to come in and purchase all these things was a, a kind of foolishness. At the time, it seemed wise because in the 50s and 60s, it was the man who went out to the hardware store and bought the appliances. But now we know that that was just a bunch of foolish rhetoric that was propped up by people who wanted to keep themselves in power. And that's a good thing for us to have learned. Do you see how wisdom can become revealed as foolishness over time? What was thought to be a wise business model died because it taught women that they couldn't do things that men 
we're supposed to do. Doing things we're supposed to do is part of real wisdom. I read a story about a Lutheran pastor who was talking about a congregation he was serving, and they had hired a church growth consortium to come in and lead them through an exercise. And all the people were talking about was doing things for others, which is good and the right thing for people to do. But no one in his congregation had expressed a desire to tell anyone else about Jesus. That congregation had some wisdom in understanding that you can't tell somebody about Jesus unless they believe you care about them before you tell them about Jesus. But they had given up the tell them about Jesus part. And this pastor was wondering, was his congregation ashamed of Christ? Had they grown to be so in love with worldly wisdom that they had forgotten the foolishness of the cross? Wisdom cuts in both directions and it can turn into folly in a very short span as we learn that maybe we weren't so wise as we thought. Jesus' warning to us that we not be ashamed of Him seems to me to be a source of wisdom for us. It seems to me to be the same kind of wisdom that led Bass Pro Shops to start stocking not just men's clothing and hunting clothing and things like that, but to actually create lines of clothing and things of that nature for women. To recognize that the old way of thinking about the outdoors was actually foolish and not wise. You see where I'm going there? I'm making for you one hand, left hand, right hand kind of idea. To see that wisdom and foolishness are actually kind of fluid things. And what I might think might be fluid foolishness today might actually turn out to be the greatest wisdom of all. Which is exactly what happened when Jesus was raised from the dead. Paul here is taking up an idea that belongs to his culture, to the Judeo-Greek culture of his time, that wisdom was the mark of success, that wisdom, being able to be a rhetorician and make an argument was a way of being successful. And for the Greeks, this was what they cherished the most. And for this Corinthian church, their culture was one that loved people who could get up and yell and scream and prove a point. Sounds like modern American politics, doesn't it? Who could be rhetorical to the extent that someone could not rebuke their argument. They didn't like foolishness, per se. Foolishness is what Peter heard when Jesus said he was going to die. Right after Peter affirmed, you're the Christ, the Son of God. Remember that? And, and Jesus said, well, I'm going to Jerusalem to suffer, be killed. And Jesus said, God forbid. Peter said, God forbid it, Lord. This cannot happen to you. Peter was speaking out of the Jewish wisdom of his day that Messiah could not die. After all, how can a Messiah save anyone if he can't save himself? You might remember that's what the religious people asked Jesus as He was dying on the cross. If He's the Messiah, let Him save Himself. And Peter knew in his own mind, Messiah doesn't die. That's foolish talk, Jesus. 
So he confronted Jesus, and Jesus pulled him aside and said, Peter, you're stuck in the wisdom of this world. You're stuck not in the things of God, but in the wisdom of this world. And Paul would tell us what the foolishness of God is. It's a Messiah raised up on a cross. Remember last week when I talked about that road out of Rome that they love to stick people on trees, dig a tree up, plant it by the road, cut the top off of it, put a beam on it, nail somebody to it? It's like football in America, their favorite pastime. Disagree with Rome? Well, we can fix that. That was their sense of wisdom. Their sense of wisdom was that the cross was reserved for great, no, horrible people. In their minds. The cross was reserved for those who deserve to be scorned. They deserve to have nails driven into their flesh. They deserve to be mocked. They deserve to be scorned. They deserve to be humiliated to the point that the humiliation was greater than the pain they were feeling as they hung on the tree. And this was known to the Hebrew people, for in their own scriptures it said, Cursed is the one who was hanged on a tree. And the cross now to us looks innocuous. It hangs on the wall and it just looks like you know something we could maybe plate in gold and put around our neck. But in Jesus' day, in Peter's day, in Paul's day, it was a great offense. And there was no way a Messiah would be hung on it. There was no way of conceiving that. It looked like utter foolishness. I read a story about a farmer who had to go to a hardware store one day to pick up some tools that he needed. And while he was there, the hardware salesman tried to talk him into buying a bicycle. That's what got me to thinking about Western Auto. And he told the farmer, he said, you won't have to feed a bicycle. You can ride it around anywhere you want to on your farm and you don't have to feed it a thing. They're getting cheaper now and I can let you have one for $35. And the farmer said, man, I'd rather put that $35 into another cow. And the hardware man says sarcastically, well, you look mighty foolish riding a cow around your farm. And the farmer said, yeah, but no more foolish than trying to milk a bicycle. <laughs> Wisdom is known by her children, the Bible says. What looks like foolishness to us might be the greatest wisdom of all. And what someone else would hold out to us as wisdom may actually be an invitation into foolishness. You can't ride a bicycle around on an old muddy farm with cows. The farmer knew what he needed, but someone tried to distract him into something foolishness that was foolish. Paul recognizes that for his audience, what he is preaching to them sounds like utter nonsense. 
that somewhere outside of Jerusalem, just a few years before, a man was nailed to a tree and that he is somehow the Savior of the world. That he was nailed to it and allowed to suffocate on it, that his knees were broken and that he was taken down and put in a hole. And somehow that man can save the world. You might be thinking, yeah, but preacher, isn't that what you tell us every other Sunday at least? And it is. But I want you to know that in the world's eyes, it's foolishness. In the world's eyes, this is something that that people who are mystics believe, that people who are fooled believe. This is something that people who have no common sense believe. This is something that people who are just delusional believe. And I hear Jesus' words echo in my own ears as I can tell you that the world believes that this is something that losers believe. That people who can't be self-directed, that Religion is the opiate of the weak. Well, what do you think of that? Maybe the cross is God's foolishness. Maybe Paul is right. But I know this, I believe God is good. Do you? All the time. Man, I was hoping y'all would say that. All the time. If God chose to save the world by something that the world would look at and say, huh? Then that thing becomes wisdom. Do you hear me? What the world sees as foolishness is actually God's wisdom. And the world might say, well, how can some other man die in my place? That's ridiculous. How can a man die in the place of everyone else? And the answer is because God is good. All the time. Because God decided this is how it would be. Because God decided to reveal God's full self to us. Did you notice that Paul said that in all their wisdom, in all their wisdom, the Greeks had not attained knowledge of the one true God. But Jesus came to give that knowledge and reveal it. Not by scaling the limbs of societal importance. Not by becoming a politician. Not by becoming some famous revolutionary. Not by leading a revolt against Pilate. But by laying down on a cross and allowing the sinful people that he loved enough to die for to nail him to it. And Paul says that in that, God demonstrated His love for us. And the other New Testament writers agree with Paul that this is how God revealed God's self to us, was in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. The Christ, the Son of God, who freely gave up His life for us. And that for the world, it looks like foolishness. But for those who believe, it is nothing less than the wisdom and power of God on full and utter display. And so Paul says, we preach Christ and Him crucified. But underneath that, 
is a part of the story that he's not implicitly saying. Because if we were here just because a man was crucified, that, dear ones, would be foolish. But in this season of Lent, we are preparing ourselves to celebrate the resurrection day. What we call Easter. Paul would not have been writing this if Jesus had not been raised. Because you see, Paul thought all this Jesus stuff was foolishness. He was a Pharisee. And we are told that when they stoned Stephen, he stood at the side and held the coats of the people who were throwing the stones and he gave his approval. And what that looks like in my mind is this. He loved them seeing them hurl rocks at a young man named Stephen until his body was lifeless. And he sanctioned it. And he went and got orders to go and find more of these blamed Christians and haul them before the council for believing in this foolishness that a man who was crucified was somehow king. And you might remember that what happened to him is on the way to Damascus to round up some believers. Jesus appeared to him and changed his wisdom to foolishness. He called Paul to embrace the foolishness that he was railing against. The idea that a crucified man could be Messiah. And so Paul becomes the apostle to the Gentile church and reaches out to those who believe that their wisdom can save them. To tell them that it's only by the foolishness of God that we are saved. A God foolishly, foolish enough to love us enough to die for us. And still Jesus' question echoes, are we ashamed? Will we walk away from this crucified Messiah? Will we look at it and say, I don't want to be laughed at by the world. I don't want to be mocked by my friends. I don't want to be called delusional. Or, will we stay the course and press on in faith, believing that the cross what the world sees as foolishness truly is the wisdom and love of God on display. I can't make that choice before you, but it's before you in the text we hear this morning in the words I've spoken. Jesus calls you not to be ashamed, but to embrace the foolishness of God's plan and to love it, to relish in it, Especially in these next few weeks ahead as you prepare for the full beauty of God's wisdom that this crucified Messiah God raised from the dead to vindicate Him. Embrace this foolishness. It is, dear ones, the power of God for our salvation. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.